Boston. This is Steve Fierro. Welcome to the Wall Street to Awakening podcast. My guest today is Amy Brown, a very soulful and amazing young woman and mother of three that after having the courage to leave two consecutive physically abusive relationships, she found the strength and means to live with, to leave with her children and rebuild herself and her life from the ground up. Amy is an inspiration to women and men around the world and an example of what taking responsibility for your life can do to transform it and the lives around you. Amy is the founder of the Wilding Kids Mentor Program, a program for children and parents to help form a healthy, loving relationship that supports both the children and the parents. Uh, today we're going to talk about personal development, conscious parenting, second chances, questioning everything, what sovereignty is, and how and why the education system is a big part of today's problem. Amy, thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, Steve. Pretty amazing. So Yeah, thank you for that introduction. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Sounds cool. I mean, you're, like that. Your, uh, your story is incredible because you, I mean, when you were basically eight, you came home and your dad wasn't there. And, yeah. and then you, you were in two consecutive physical relationships at a young age and you had three kids amongst them. And you yeah. had the courage to leave and educate yourself and move on and sort, sort your life. Create, create the life of my dream. That's just incredible. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Can you tell me what that, I don't want you to relive it, but were you yeah. at rock bottom? Um, definitely. Uh, at least on two occasions, which I think really just saw the end of each relationship. Um, so that, you know, it, the relationships ended by me getting to rock bottom and realizing that um, even death looked better than what I was living. And that is where I got the strength to live, to, to leave. I see. Yeah, by the, just the sheer realization that I'd rather die than stay in that life. That's, um, and that's, also, how, that's how yeah. low you were at that point? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. My, I mean, my life, you... I'd given away control, full control of my body, my life, my every decision, my children. I, I had no control over anything, and the things that were happening in my life um, were just horrendous. It was, it was soul-destroying. So I'm really glad that I mustered the strength to say I'm not going to continue like this. Whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to try and find another way. So where did you, did you have financial means? Were you, did you really have to work? No. And um, So this, and this was one of the hardest decisions for me in leaving. <clears throat> on the first occasion, I had one child and I was working, studying. It was fine. I could manage our lives financially. But on the second occasion, I had to look for government support because I couldn't provide for the kids. Yeah. Um, my youngest was not even one so I wanted to be at home with them as well so I looked for support and my, my son was two and he has complex neurological disability and physical so I had him in and out of hospital and surgery he's had seven operations seven major operations to date um, one two three four five of them were brain surgery so I had that to deal with and then, you know, a baby, a child younger than him. So, so it was really tough having to accept government assistance, but there was no other way. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, because it takes a lot of courage to leave, and I'm sure that the other side of the relationship didn't make it easy for you. 
Uh, no, no. But I, so I, I was trying to leave for two years. The last, the last relationship. Um, um, over two years, I had quote left unquote um, quite a few times. Um, so on the last occasion, I knew that I needed support, keeping things calm. So I got family over, and um, I had, I basically made sure that I had a safety support network. Um, so that things couldn't get violent, basically, or aggressive, or out of, out of control. If they did, I had, you know, eyes and so ears that's around. Cool. Did, so, did you like? Did you plan a day that you were just going to be gone? Like he didn't know, or? Um, what, no, I I gave a time limit, but it wasn't respected. And I gave another time limit, and it wasn't respected. So, uh, so then I planned the day. Yeah, it was a long, drawn out process. Because in a situation like that, I've heard where if the other side that's actually the abuser in court will try to character assassinate the non-abuser and try and take the kids. Did you go through all that or did you, were you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, on, I mean, me, me and my ex, I will say that we are friends now and things oh. are cool now. So we separated um, four and a half years ago, nearly. And okay. for two years, it was really horrendous. Um, but now in over two years now, there's been not a single negative issue. If we disagree, we talk it out. So um, I give credit to him for his growth, and I'm really happy that we're at this place now for our kids. Um, but um, what was your question? I forgot my point. Before I before I went back that, to the negative, I just wanted to make have, sure I clear up. Like you have custody of the kids, and I was like, you, yeah, you have okay. to go to court, and was, there, so it, was, was it ugly? and Character. Yeah, character assassination is what I was going to say. Um, basically, that was done the whole relationship. I just didn't realise. So when I realised, I had nothing to lose because it was already something that was done on a daily basis. <laughs> your kids in the background, naive. I'm sorry. Uh, no, we no. got to explain I mean, that your your they're kids not. are, uh, they're wilding in the background. So Yeah, yeah, they are. So that's what you're hearing in the background. But so, yeah. so, so there, when you left, you had no m money, you had kids, and you basically no. went on, you got some support and you educated yourself. Yeah, 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 I had a complete, I mean, because I wasn't working or anything in the relationship towards the end of the relationship. So when I was then free, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, I decided to have a complete career change. So I, was, I just had finished a, a four year tattoo apprenticeship and I thought that was my life. Um, I stopped working because the relationship was so unhealthy. I, I, it was something I wasn't permitted to do. Um, it was work at all. Um, so even leaving the house was an issue. So, um, so that's kind of where I got to. Um, but after the relationship broke down, I was, I was free again. And I, I just knew that art is my passion, but it's not gonna be my career anymore. So I went into counseling studies and I've been studying counseling studies for three years now. What studies, um, I'm sorry? I, Counseling studies. Counseling, counseling, okay. Yes, yes. So, um, intricative humanistic talking therapies. Um, is my son too loud? Can you hear no, me? No, 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 that's well, fine. It, that's fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, well, it's, uh, it makes the interview interesting. Um, I, I can, this, I can um, throw some chocolate his way. But Let's see how far this that is gets the, us. Uh, Junior. I mean, you. Junior, have some chocolate. This is about your journey. <laughs> with your kids sort of on your own. Yeah. I mean, you're raising them on your own. So, yeah. Um, so b basically, yeah. what did you, were there any patterns after you had time to think? Did you see like what attracted you to these type of men? 
or and it, you won't do it again. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, I, I totally saw patterns and I was I was kind of um, reliving my mother's ha habits with men. Um, but also my my childhood was my childhood home after my dad left was a very oppressive and dominating place. So for me to leave, leave the family home, I left as a 14 year old runaway. And I think I've, I've been back a few times throughout my late teens for like a couple of months here and there. So I pretty much left the family home for good by, by 15. Um, and um, for me, ending up in oppressive, dominating relationships was just a reflection of my childhood, the latter years of my childhood. So I can see now that I was comfortable there. I was comfortable in a love that was dominating, aggressive, abusive, controlling, because I associated that with love. Um, it's amazing. We all, we kind of end up with our mother, you know, men end up with their mothers and women end up with their fathers. Or Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it was kind of the opposite because okay. my, I mean, my dad moved to Australia when I was eight and remarried, um, but he's a very... Uh, well, I mean, I, I can't speak for the women in his life, but as his daughter, he treated me like um, like his, his best mate, like his friend. You know, we could talk about the deepest issues. I could be so honest with him. He was so non-judgmental. Um, I think he is the only person in my life that has really, well, apart from my brothers, but has really shown me unconditional love. Oh, wow. So that was something I just realized this year. Um, you know, How, what unconditional love really feels like. Wow. I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, then he has a story to tell about having to leave you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest um, pain in his life, really leaving. That's crazy. But you know, we, we all make decisions when we, when we know better, we do better. Okay. Well, so, we got to get into gonna... your story is just incredibly interesting. Um, you know, we got to get into, you literally ran away at 14. You were on the streets and you didn't go to school yeah. or you were at someone else's house. No, or... I left, I left school. Um, I was, I've spent time at people's houses on their sofas, their bedrooms, uh, in an abandoned warehouse in honestly. In a okay. But gym. you know, okay. I've when you're, you know, there's running away with the ham sandwich and I'm yeah. going to run away and then you come back a day later. Yeah. Did you come back a day later? I tried to come back and I rung my mum and said I was on my way back. Can I please come home? And I got to the end of my road and there was a, a police van outside my house and I could see one of them standing at my front door. So my mum had obviously called them saying that I'm coming back. Obviously I did some, I did some bad things. Um, so they had reason to want to find me, um, you know, due to my mum telling them. So I saw them there, knew they were waiting for me. So I turned around and ran. And this was the night that I had nowhere else to go but a crack house. So that's where I went. Luckily, I never got involved in the drugs or the prostitution, but I was around it daily for months. That's, well, how old were you right then? Um, I'm 14, 15. You're 14 yeah. or 15, you're not home? And, yeah. and, some... and I was very naive, yes. Okay, but- I was very naive. Did you ever go back? Or you stayed- Home? Yeah. Um, I, I think I went back home for a few months when I was maybe 16 and then again for a few months when I was 21, I believe. Okay. There may have been, there may have been some other. I mean, pardon, because I want to get clear on like, I mean, I grew up, I, parents had fought all the time, but you know, I knew yeah. I had a house to go to. 
and it wasn't yeah. always the greatest place, but I had brothers and sisters and I couldn't imagine at 15 leaving. So my point is you left and what was the structure was, did you have any structure that supported you while being away from home? Um, no, no, I found, I found my means of, you know, money and food and shelter. It was some days I had no idea where I was going to sleep, but it always worked out. So I never, I never spent the time. I never slept rough on the streets. I always, well, I mean, apart from the abandoned warehouse, that may have been the worst, mm -hmm. the worst of, of each um, option. But other than that, I, I always found a roof. But were you going to school? Nighttime. No, no. So I didn't get, I didn't leave secondary school with any qualifications at all. Um, but by that time, by the time I was 16, I was in a relationship with my eldest child's father. And um, so I started living at his house with his parents and I went to college. So I, I started college at the time I should have, but I was a year behind. So I had to do a, like a catch up course, but luckily I did so well. I then get to skip a year. A couple of years later, I got to skip a year when I was oh. doing my diploma. So I got to catch up with my age group. And, um, and then um, I went on to get my degree in fine arts and, and then work as a waitress. So I, I, I feel like I kind of made up for some lost time. I got myself some experience working. I got myself an education. I made some great friends in that time because I left secondary school with probably two friends. I wasn't, I wasn't the nicest kid because I wasn't happy. So I, I didn't leave with friends. I didn't leave even knowing how to nurture and hold down a friendship when I was 16. Um, yeah, but, it was, it was tricky. But you are so young still and the, how worldly you are to me, it's uncanny that you're so grounded and worldly and you had such a, sort of disjointed um yeah. upbringing i guess i guess at 16 you had the you know it was fortunate that you had a place to stay and you went to school that yeah. probably makes a yeah. big difference yeah definitely but your knowledge of the world and sort of how to help people is uncanny so um you know yeah. it's because of my own struggle really it's because yeah. of my own pain so and time i've spent so much time around other people who, I mean, this is probably right for everybody on this earth, but I feel like I've experienced so many people in life that are so bogged down in the weight of their pain, their mm. own pain. And I, I've, I've been able to see on so many occasions that it can, you can alleviate 20 years of pain by one conversation that shifts perspective. And that's what happened to me. I, I hated my mother for 29 years of my life, maybe, maybe a bit longer. Um, and, I, you know, I, I felt I had... Can you stop that tablet, please? Where is it? Um, I felt I had good reason, um, so that's why I held on to my anger. But um, I just I realised that it wasn't doing anything for anybody but me myself. So my anger was causing me pain, and nobody else knew. But what What made you realise that? So, what made you realise what? You know. I, well, studying counselling studies <clears throat> and doing my own therapy. And I just realized, really, um, I found a place of acceptance. Just one day, I, I said to myself, I can spend the rest of my life wishing for my mother to have been something else, or I can accept who she is and love her for who she is. Because I honestly believe with every decision my mum made, whether I agreed with it or not, she made it from with the best of intentions, with nothing but love. And that saying, you know, when you know better, you do better. 
she yeah. did the best she could with what she knew that's so i found a place of acceptance yeah really i had that um i did a course are you familiar at all with the landmark forum no okay, landmark so, forum. yeah it's an it's all over the world. It started by a guy named Werner Earhart, who it's all, it's an inquiry into Zen really. It's about, and I did it when I was 25. So it, that was the biggest epiphany for me because up until that moment that I did this course, it was a three day seminar. Um, yeah. The only thing I knew of my father, even though yeah. he lived in the same house as me is what my mother told of him. So, Wow. And, you know, the things that came out of my mom's mouth was she was angry at him. So she wasn't very um, uh, happy with him. So you can imagine yeah. that the things she said weren't too, too good. And, yeah. you know, you associate with your dad. So up until that seminar, I looked at my dad as the person that my mother was describing. And then after that yeah. seminar, I saw him as a human being and doing the best yeah. he could, you yeah. know, and it changed everything. Yeah. It, 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 that changed a lot for me in life, but it it, it it transformed my relationship with my dad because I didn't, and we all have our flaws, but he wasn't that person that my mother was describing, but it took that seminar yeah. for me to have that shift. Yeah. And See, may, but maybe he, maybe he was for her. That's her experience, but you're yeah. a completely different human and your experience has, you have the opportunity to have a completely different experience of this man. Yeah. But it's also, it's a it's a kind of forgiveness and a kind of coming yeah. from the heart um yeah. it's it's i was judging my dad the entire yeah. time i was living and i didn't understand yeah. it and i i wasn't giving him a yeah. chance so as soon as you kind of mentally release it's unbelievable what happens yeah. right yeah and Absolutely. so you're so those and counselor courses as little it can take as little as one conversation, yeah. you know, which is amazing and shift your whole life's perspective, a, a whole lifetime of pain and resentment and anger. So that is why I moved into counseling studies because I think, I mean, obviously we're, we're in it. We have a problem right now with men feeling like they can't speak about their emotions, but also the emotional illiteracy in the world is, is horrendous. Um, some people want yeah. to speak about their emotions, but they, they don't know how. They don't know where to start. They don't know the common um, negative patterns that us humans play out generation after generation. You know, um, one thing I've been paying attention to lately is intergenerational trauma. And it could be the smallest thing, but it affects every generation and oh. until somebody realizes and puts in the hard graft of trying to excavate that pain find the root cause and then realize actually this had nothing to do with me anyway. It's so yeah. In my, it's in a my mind family, field. one of the, um, sorry. No, go on. One of the, um, one of the um, sort of default emotions in my family is rejection. And I, I inherited that from my mother and I'm sure she inherited that from her mother who yeah. got it from a place where she lost her mother at the age of 12, I believe. Yeah. So she felt rejection, severe rejection, and then passed that that default emotion down yeah. to her daughter. We passed it to her daughter. And now it's something that I have to catch. It can come in as often as every day, and I have to catch it, work with it, just remind myself that this is a default feeling. I'm so used to feeling, but it's, it's not a, my feeling. It's a ritual. It's a program. Exactly. exactly. It's like imprinted. And I, I can reprogram. Yeah. So 
That's yeah. amazing because it, I mean, life is just such a minefield because like you said, there's inter, intergenerational imprinting programming. Uh, I mean, some people don't even know that they're running programs that they're, they have no control over. Yeah. And, I didn't for 30 years. For yeah. 30 years. And I had three kids in that time, you know, I'm you know, bringing my mom, up babies. It's, yeah. I mean, do you think, does it require an outward forgiveness? Like, did you ever, you know, tell your ex that I forgive you or I love you or, you know, does it come down to that? Um, my my first ex, my eldest dad, um, we had a, we, we just became friends this year. So we didn't speak for 10 years. Um, and, and, you know, that was, that was a terrible situation. I mean, that relationship was extremely physical. Um, I was in hospital numerous times, oh at, you know, like hid away, hid my bruises for weeks sometimes, couldn't talk through a jaw that I thought was broken on one occasion. You know, I, I can't go any further into it with kids wandering around. But, um, yeah. so this year we, um, we, we finally had a, we had a few conversations about it this year and he rings the house every day now to speak to his daughter. They have a great friendship relationship. Um, oh but for 10 years, there was no communication at all. Um, you can get more out of the cupboard. It's fine. Um, well, so, so we've made progress and I, I have said, I, I forgive him because I, I think now that one of the biggest things that's holding him back in life is he can't forgive himself. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can forgive him. I, I've only just healed from the trauma of that relationship last year. Wow. I really had to do some work. Me. And even, even this year, I had to do a bit of work because having some really vulnerable conversations with him took me back to that space, even though he's a different person now. And so am I. So I had to really check myself um, and remind myself I'm in a completely different space now. I'm totally safe. This is not what it used to be. Um, but I had that I forgive you conversation and I, I said to him you need to forgive yourself now it, everyone deserves a second chance well, and I mean, God knows I have done some horrendous things in my life and I've taken that second chance and run with it and I, I want him to do the same that's amazing yeah I mean and God only knows what he went through in his childhood yeah absolutely absolutely it doesn't exonerate them but they're doing the best yeah. they can with the programming they have yeah yeah Hurt people, hurt people. I've heard That's that a lot lately. Crazy. You know, my and mom. Healed people, heal people. Yeah. You know, my mom's dad died when she was 13 in this really horrible accident. Yeah. He was like, uh, not that this matters, but he was, it was like a really yeah. cold night in January and he was um, on a big coal ship that had yeah. carried big portions of coal. And one of the wow. big chutes that probably went down, I don't know. 90 feet was empty and he was walking backwards yeah. and he fell he fell backwards into this on a really wow. cold night and he died like three like six days later but the my mom never got over that and she's been in so much pain and so angry yeah. her entire life yeah. and whenever I see that yeah. you know she would maybe ruin a holiday just she can't yeah. she can't control herself it's like, yeah. I just see, all I can see is her pain. And it's so hard yeah. because she won't yeah. face it. Yeah. And so she's not healing, you know, but she, my mom's 88 yeah, now. Absolutely. But I mean, the thing is, yeah. she's still, you know, you, you know, she's still in, so in her ego and has to be right. Yeah. But also, uh, if anything triggers her pain from that, there's no controlling her. And it's yeah. hard, it's just, you know, where I'm going with this is, 
Yeah. I I probably picked up whatever some you know fearful I'm not good enough from maybe her not yeah. being able to express her love because she Absolutely. was in too much pain and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean this is this is emotional neglect. You will and on a you know it sounds extreme, but it can be on such a subtle level like you know if a parent is dealing with their own anger and their child falls over and hurts himself needs a hug but their parents wrapped up in their anger on such a regular frequent basis then they're going to emotionally neglect their child in those circumstances because of what all the, tra the trauma they're experiencing and they're re-experiencing and and i definitely ex experienced some emotional neglect in my childhood like it's quite extensive emotional neglect but it was because my mum didn't know how to emotionally connect she was never emotionally nurtured through her childhood so how could she know how to emotionally nurture her children and you know personal development wasn't a thing yeah she can't because not, not only that she's in up, she's in yeah and she's in survival mode she has a kid she's got to exactly exactly survival mode is a big thing yeah i mean when you're in survival mode you do not you can't love anything yeah and, yeah absolutely. you know i wanted you before we go Oh my God, yeah. it's already, uh... anyway, before we go, no, we're not going yet, right? You have some more time, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I want to get into, no, I want to get into, not right now, but I want to get into what, um, how you're so aware of the sort of uh, matrix of control and domination that I, that's what I call it. That's the, that yes. the, the yeah. majority of the public aren't. I, I want to know what woke you up yeah. and how you went, went down that journey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think um, I think being raised the way I was raised really helped me see. So I was raised by a very oppressive and dominant parent. Um, through all of her love, all she wanted to do was protect me and love me and keep me safe. First and foremost was to keep me safe because she was not kept safe in her childhood. So that, that was her, her driving force. But for me, as the, this fresh canvas, I could just see that I had a dominating controlling parent and all my other friends were out doing what they wanted and I felt indoctrinated quite a lot of the time um, but I could see through the veil um, so I think growing up and having that set of eyes and then you know I, I ran from that household because I didn't want to live like that and I knew there was another way I knew I didn't have to live like that so now I can see straight through the government I can see straight through what's going on now in the world on a grander scale because it's, it's just complete full of complete hypocrisy hypocrites um yeah. they you know nothing, nothing what, what brought up, you nothing how did up. you get there because you know once people believe the news they don't really yeah. wake up too easy what there has to be something yeah, there think, has to be a moment yeah i think the biggest thing for me was um my son who's six now nearly seven and he, when he was um a year old he was having his second brain surgery um, my daughter was three months old, I think, um, 13 months between them. So she was um, very young, a couple of months old. And I was told by Great Ormond Street Hospital in London, one of the most prestigious, most amazing children's hospitals in the on the planet, um, and I was told that I cannot vaccinate her because um, certain strains are live. And if they shared to him, it could kill him after surgery. If he got anything from her and her vaccinations, it would put him in a space where he could die after his surgery. So oh. I was told not to vaccinate her for the next year. Okay, but can I say is, something? You only were yes. told that because of his condition, right? Um, yes, but what it flagged to me was that she sheds. 
you know so what what the the issue that i had with that was now there be all i'm all i previously heard was vaccines are safe and effective safe and effective so i always heard then i'm told that now that a baby would be shedding um certain diseases um through so i so i then started to question hang on a second vaccines are here to eradicate these illnesses but you're giving a live vaccine to babies who can then shed to the ill to the vulnerable the elderly the young but they're young so that's when it opened a whole door of a hold on a second they were safe and effective a minute ago but now they could kill one of my children so how do we know when we may need brain surgery if i was to get hit by a bus and need brain surgery my baby's just been vaccinated they've shed to me um but i i'm not aware i need brain surgery i'm then vulnerable even more vulnerable for death and, and complications in the, the healing process to surgery. So it just put a huge um, red flag. So I started investigating. I started looking into vaccines and, and I haven't vaccinated a single kid since. So that was um, five and a half years ago. So it led me to just look for myself. I don't, I'm not, because of my childhood, I'm not in the space to believe anything anyone tells me. I go out and investigate myself. And I've since spoken firsthand with over a hundred families whose children were absolutely perfectly healthy and capable and able. Um, and then they went for whatever vaccination it was on the, those occasions. And their children are now um, brain dead, paralyzed, have autism, um, have mobility issues, have growth deformities, have all sorts of, all sorts of issues. Some, some children have, um, it might just be as mild as speech impairment, but, or it might be as severe as wheelchair bound for the rest of their lives. And this wasn't just one vaccine that was flagging up these issues. It was, it was nearly every vaccine I've looked into. Um, I, I, can, I can give you the name of a child who's in a wheelchair the, since the, the day or the week of having that vaccine. And previous, they were, in, they were in immaculate health. So for me, as soon as I started looking and, and reaching out to parents, um, I just, I, I have, I, there's a never ending stream of these parents that are going through this. And when there is such uproar about about one thing in particular, you have to believe them. You you cannot say that there are millions of parents around the world lying about something, or it's a coincidence. I mean, so now just just um just yesterday I saw footage of Bill Gates talking about no vaccine it being safe. <laughs> no vaccine is actually safe, and so they they say it. They tell yeah. us. They, they have to. Us. They do have to say it. Like it's like part of their yeah. ritual. They do have to let us know. Yeah. Yeah, no one's good but then they, for years, they have told us that it doesn't cause autism. Um, yeah. And the CDC found out in, I think, 2000, or they hid it for 13 years, they hid, and it was disclosed um, in 2013, I think, that they, they had they've had studies that prove since 2005, or somewhere near about, so I might be off with the date, but they, their CDC um, scientists um, found proof that autism is you're 300 times more likely to develop autism um, if you're a black boy who receives MMR on time, on, on time, on, on time. So if I said that all right, um, but you can find you can find this info out there. You can find the paperwork, the studies, um, the yeah. news reports on the discovery, and that's just one thing. You know, it's like it's like we, everything we all else. know the government. Yeah, we all know the government took syphilis to um, the ghetto in America of in course. a vaccine. 
we AIDS, all know that the government was, and AIDS, HIV. AIDS, yeah. AIDS was caused by a tainted blood, blood supply. They basically put it Absolutely. in the blood supply. Absolutely. But Absolutely. people will think and you're I crazy mean, if you say 20. this. So yeah, yeah. part of the pro, you know, part of the frustration is, like I said before, if if you believe the narrative on the news and everything you've been told, yeah. it's hard to get people. Otherwise, even yeah. But what's in I, the, I have to be careful what I say because I'm you know where I am. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. the. I mean, we we could do a whole sh we could do ten shows on 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 yeah. I call them Mac Maxines, um, yeah. like the word Maxine. So that's cr yeah. I mean I didn't know that I want to talk to you about that because you have living proof. You you're connected to people who are living proof. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and all all over the world, all because I reach out online. Um, and I'm in many support groups and um, just as, as simple as following people who follow certain threads online. Um, you, you can just click on their page and see their story because most of them will not hide their story because they're, they're desperately trying to call out to the world for people to realize what's going on and the dangers. Once your child is, is, is brain damaged from a vaccine, there's no going back for a lot of people. There's no, um, there are, there's no, there are heavy metal detoxification. <laughs> there's no, uh, Say hello to Steve. there's no recourse. Say hiya. Hello. No, no. It, it's devastating. It, it even it's goes as far as, uh, it even goes as far as the, the, uh, Maxine, the Maxine yeah. with an M, the manufacturers of the Maxines. Yeah. Um, yeah. are exempt, exempt Absolutely. from liability. And guess who pays? But in America, in America, how much have they paid out in damage? But, Over six yeah, billion. But here, here's the thing, Amy, guess who's paying that? The taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, no... paying, they're looking after these children and adults, some adults as well. Yeah. Um, they're looking after them. They're left, you know, yeah. no one's here to help you. No one's going to help you. No one believes you. And... <clears throat> And you have you have to yeah you have to pay for everybody else's it's, medical damage. I mean, we could yeah. go really into it's it, but horrendous. what's in what's in the vaccine is is criminal. It's Roundup, you know, the yeah. pesticide, yeah. formaldehyde, yeah. mercury, yeah. Uh, live animal RNA, live animal yeah. DNA, the actual virus yeah. itself. Um, Absolutely, it's yeah. insanity. And even the thing is, nothing on this earth is one size fits all. So no. some people have a deadly allergy to eggs, which are in some of the vaccines. Um, and now, you know, with this, um, with this whole, everybody must seven billion people must be vaccinated to save the earth from a virus that uh, just today, that, um, on mainstream news on on Sky, I heard um, say that the in, in Britain. In the UK, um, they've completely bodged the, the death toll, and that they've now detailed exactly how they bodged it. And that, um, you know, it's it's mainstream news now, cool. which which I'm grateful for. It's mainstream news that they are lying about the death toll, the daily yeah. numbers, yeah. Um, and that they've been getting away with it for four months. Do you, okay, do you mean? Um, going to ask Scarlett, please. Do you mean they're they're the num they're actually reporting lower numbers or higher numbers? Higher, right? Higher. Yeah. Higher. Course, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so they, they've proved that if you die um, in two months' time, but you were diagnosed with COVID two months prior, they will put COVID on the death certificate. Yeah. So they've proved, they've proved this now. Um, I mean, I, I know three families personally. Um, I mean, one's a colleague, 
of a close friend and and I know them you know personally um through one chain or another but they have all had the cause of death changed from their death certificates mm. um because on all three occasions they said covid um one yeah. died of brain aneurysm one died of um oh, that um degenerative disease um and another person a heart attack yeah my um, friend's and they father got them changed yeah my friend's father passed and yeah died of uh he just died he just he was very old and they yeah. put covid yeah. On his, um, yeah. Well, I mean, the hospitals get thirteen thousand pounds per per COVID death. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. six thousand per COVID um, diagnosis. So come yeah. on, you know, yeah. it, it's there's always a carrot. There's always a carrot. Yeah, I mean, we could. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We could certainly spend yeah. a lot of time on that. But I mean, you and I are both yeah. aware that nothing, nothing we're told is the truth. We know that. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, even even movies, you know. If we look ten years ago, we could see the narrative flooding through the movies I that mean, are getting us ready for what's going on now. Dude. Just slowly preparing us for thinking certain things are normal, are happening, yeah. are a, a pandemic, and yes. then enter they enter it into real society. But it's all a form of control. We are ridiculously brainwashed. It's called preemptive programming. So yeah, that like, you know, I hate to say it, but like, I mean, I didn't want to really go entirely down this way, but even, you know, Hitler and the Nazis, which yeah. is really the same force operating today, um, you know, they did the same thing. They created a campaign where yeah. people hated Jews and, yeah. and it, yeah. it slowly got into people's heads that this is why they yeah. allowed such incredible atrocities uh, to happen. So, yeah, you know. And, it, you know, it's, it's like the entertainment, the media also. I mean, in, in ancient Rome, that was created to distract people because there were too, too many people asking too many questions, so they gave them sport. Put yeah. them in, in the college Bread and circus. To distract them, keep them happy, absolutely. It's keep, like, keep them happy we're basically in this, we're in this crazy little, you know, if you break... Come here, come here. If you, if you break it down, it's, we're basically, we're just played with. I mean, we're just Mommy. basically... Okay, yeah. come here. Um, sorry. It's okay. He's dealing with her child right now. So Amy and I are talking about um, her journey, and she's dealing with her kid right now. And um, talking about how she was able to get through some difficult physical abuse, physically abusive relationships and educate herself and um, emerge healthy out of that. And now, now Amy, you're, um, what's the, your it's a, it's called the wilding kids program. So tell us yes. about that. Uh, so I, um, well, I'll start by saying that I have um, made every mistake on this planet regards to bringing up children and not just once not just twice you know so many times um so i learned through my own pain that i had to find a new way um and i didn't want to be the kind of parent that i had experienced um in my main family home growing up um so i i've been struggling for a few years really to find a new way to create new habits and to create a deeper bond with my kids but i was especially, especially struggled with my eldest um, and last year, and, and even this year, we came to a few crisis points in our relationship. Um, 
So I, I have been looking into and reading about conscious parenting for maybe three, three four years. Um, and this year, as we came to crisis point, um, from as early as January, really, um, well, we've kind of been at crisis for a year or two. Um, so I started creating um, uh, strategies to handle my ego, my anger, and to handle her. I mean, my eldest, she was just emulating my behavior. Um, so anger was an issue, ego was an issue. Um, um, so I had to, I really had, I had to manage it. I, I basically, we had a situation where I could see my future. I could see the future parent I was going to turn into. And I, at that moment, it was a, it was a huge aha moment for me. I was basically, I was at a fork in the road and I could be the exact parent that I experienced growing up and have the exact, um, traumatic relationship that I had with one parent growing up or I could change and I knew I had to do something drastic so I created these strategies and they are the foundation of the course that I now run and I mean I'm into the first second week nearly of the first course and it's going amazing already um, and so I created these strategies to deal with my anger her anger particular situation how to create a more nurturing bond um, how to be more present with her just pausing here just one second sorry amy's uh dealing with her kids here she is again okay so so sorry that's okay. a bit of noise so, um, so so yeah I, my main focus was dealing with the anger dealing with the ego creating a deeper connection and all of these things i found the answers in conscious parenting i found the answers in being present with my child and the biggest thing for me was getting rid of my ego that took me a couple of years yeah. Um, to really get my ego out of it because mm -hmm. I had to recognize my ego at every turn mm -hmm. and, and it was huge and my anger I had to realize that actually this anger that I was feeling all the time with regards to my eldest especially and if she wouldn't do as she was told um it was it was an exact reflection of the anger I experienced growing up from my mum so I had to identify that it wasn't my anger this is not the parent I'm choosing to be this is what I've experienced and it kind of remains part of it. It's all I know. So I had to learn. I had to teach myself and I had to tune in to who I am. What kind of parent do I want to be? What makes me feel good at the end of the day? Um, what kind of relationship I want to nurture with my child um, and think about the outlook on the whole of our lives um, from the behavior I choose today. So, so really that led me to conscious parenting. And I, and I think now Mom. I'm, my Is approach to made out of ice. Um, maybe some of them, yeah, but not the crystals that we wear. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. They're made out of rock. Same thing as rock. Okay, off you go. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> okay, that's, that's cool. An interesting question. I like having your um, kids on the program. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to think of a think of a good <laughs> comeback for that one. We'll have to research. Brian Brian would say you didn't go through your checklist. She's got jewelry yeah. on and she's making noise. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so um being present with my kid listening to her i had to completely um dissect the kind of parent that i believed my child needed why i said assigned myself to be this kind of parent for her and then basically shatter that and and go to her and ask her what kind of parent she wants me to be what kind of parent she needs me to be so it was a complete overhaul of who i am as as a parent, my That's whole amazing. relationship with her. That's amazing. Yeah, I, so, I, I was gonna lose her emotionally. I'd nearly lost her already. How, and how old is she? She's fourteen now. She'll be fifteen soon. So a lot, and so, she is my biggest teacher. That's amazing. So yeah. I it, 
whoa, hello. <laughs> um, so the, some of the people listening may not know the distinction of I had to get out of ego and be present and yeah. stuff, which, so in, in order to uh, maybe let them know exactly yeah, yeah. What, what you were experiencing was, you know, yeah. and to me, to simplify getting, yeah. you know, to me, to simplify getting out of ego is, can you unpause the TV? Yeah, I can. Is, I can do it. I'll do it for um, you. Off you go. Is basically is getting in your heart yes. space. Is is sort of getting out of your head and into your heart, and then yeah, absolutely. And it disengages yeah. your child because what people I think what people don't realize is no matter how old you are, it doesn't matter if you're fourteen or eight. If your if your yeah. ego's engaged, their ego's engaged. Yeah. And you're absolutely. not absolutely. And um, yeah. So is it, in a sense, is it a way to get heart-to-heart -heart communication and diffuse the ego? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when I was coming from the ego, I would be saying things like, you know, do as you're told. Um, and I'd be thinking things like, do as I say, not as I do. And that's what my behavior was reflecting. Um, and things like, who are you talking to? How can you talk to me like that? All these kind of things that were all from my ego, when really the questions I should have been answering are, why are you so upset? You know, what, what has hurt you? What have I done that's upset you? What can I do differently? And mm. exactly what you're saying, don't get into the heart space. Oh, and and you. when you asked your kid, what kind of mother do I need to be? I'm sure she yeah. answered you. Yeah. Um, well, so we, this is one of the modules in my course. So we did it together recently. Um, so before then I was listening to her behavior and I was trying to tune into her, what she needed um, by via what she was displaying to me she needed so with her anger I kind of uh, I was taking the assumption that she needed connection she needed love affection compassion um, so but now now that I've developed this this strong course framework um, we did the first module together and um, so awesome. she gave me three things am I allowed to say the three things she told me yeah, yeah? so the Better first thing she said yeah, was cool. she, can you say hello do you want to do you want to tell us Hello. <laughs> this is Steve. This is Scarlett, my oldest. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, so um, the first thing she said to me was trust. She wants more trust in me. So if she tells me something, she wants it to go nowhere. Um, so the second thing she said to me was she wants me to be happier when I talk to her. Sometimes she just doesn't feel like I'm happy to be talking to her. Um, and the third thing was she wants me to not be so negative about her personal interests just because I don't approve of them or like them. So, so from the first thing she was telling me, um, I, I can narrow down to what her core need is, what she's crying out for. So by um, trust, that tells me that she needs connection, better connection with me. Um, by saying that she wants me to be happier when I talk to her, that is a sense of belonging. She wants a better sense of belonging um, from me. Um, and then by me um, not being so negative about her interests. This is mainly social media, which I do <laughs> despise, but she finds some enjoyment in it. Her friends are all there. It's a, it can be positive if um, there's boundaries in place. So, um, so by that, she wanted me to accept her for who she authentically is and you know her specific interests, regardless of whether they're my interests. So she was crying out for, um, for um, connection, um, belonging, and authenticity, to be able to express her own authenticity and discover herself without me being so negative. So I think that was three really beautiful things she asked of me, and I will I will give them to her now that I know I can make sure that I provide that for her. 
so that she can have, you know, healthy human development, have a beautiful home where she feels safe and fulfilled. So well, really, we need to be asking our children what they need from us. And we need to be learning from our children more than they are learning from us. And that's, it's, that's the coolest thing is like you're, you know, yeah. don't treat your kids like you're above them. Talk to them as an equal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that for the traditional parenting, that's what we've been taught. We've, you know, my, my mom was brought up being told children should be seen and not heard. And then she brought her kids up that way. She well, didn't and say also, that everything is no, yeah, everything's no, don't do that. That's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Because you know. I said so. Yeah. And because I'm big, you're small, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. It's, it's that tone, that undertone. But where's the, where's the line between um, letting, you know, teaching them something doesn't empower them and is, you shouldn't do that without saying it's wrong. I mean, is there a way to, yeah. is there a way to do that without saying that's wrong? Is, to, is, is there a way to do what? Put, back, put healthy say, boundaries? Is that what you mean? Is there a way to say like, instead of saying, don't do that, you know, is there a way to say, yeah. you know, don't do that or that's yeah. wrong in a, in a different way? Is that through your yeah. course? So I, I will normally, Junior, Junior, quietly for a minute, please. Um, I will normally, uh, with the younger ones, I can create distractions quite easy and then, you know, break, break unhealthy habits and by creating distractions. And with, with the older one, um, I, I try to approach it in conversation with her. And if something isn't too great for her, I'll talk to her about her creating her own boundaries around it. Um, so open, open discussion, but sometimes, um, I feel like I'm getting a bit lost answering your question. Um, no, well, I, I think was, I'm going to answer another another question okay. um, going okay. off track a little bit. No, so yeah. well. Also, what I wanted to say was, uh, if you're if part of your thing with your daughter is like maybe you're you don't tell her like, hey, you can't be on Facebook. So you, maybe you you back off. Does yeah, she actually slow it. down on I, it? Um, okay, so we we talk about um, we talk about mental health and social media. And, you know, I, we're, I've opened up the conversation. We can research together and check out, you know, what, what it really does to mental health. Um, also, that you know, mobile phones, they're created to be addictive. All, all sorts of things. Um, the social media apps, they're created so that you, you just don't want to leave. That's so amazing. we talk about this. And I want her to see through them as well. But so you create an awareness. The app, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the bottom line is I want her to make her own decisions. Um, and she's a super, all these children, they are so intelligent. We don't give them enough credit. Um, and that, that's one of the problems. They then don't trust themselves enough because we, we show that we have such little trust and faith in them that they don't have it in themselves. So to empower them, we have to show them, we have to give them trust. And sometimes they're going to make a really crappy decision. They're going to make the, the wrong choice a million times before they make the right one. That's fine. So did I. Yeah. I was making the wrong choice in most areas of my life till I was 29. Um, yeah. But I, I, I didn't have much guidance at all, to be honest. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So she has guidance. She has the loving, unconditional support. Um, but I'm, I'm feeding her information. I'll give her the, the knowledge that she can go and research these things for herself. She doesn't have to believe me. Sometimes we may strongly disagree. And it's her right as a sovereign human being to make her own decisions. Now, if they are damaging or detrimental, I mean, I have spoken to her about usage on her mobile phone sometimes, 
um, probably once a month we have a conversation because it creeps back up again. And um, I mean, today she's spending the day without it completely because she mm. binged a bit yesterday. So I, I don't want her to develop that habit of binging on her phone. So if a habit's creeping in, I'm aware that I'm going to help her to manage that habit before it gets too much. Because I, I've seen with so many teenagers, um, withdrawals from technology is, is exactly identical to someone withdrawing off of a heavy drug. Really? Um, if, you, if you've ever seen the, the teenage kickoff, yeah, absolutely. It, it can be really severe. And, and the, the thing is, they're feeling that pain. They're feeling the pain. They're feeling the desperation, the need, something being taken from them. It's, it's a really tough space for them to be in. So they, they definitely need support. You know, I wouldn't give her free reign at all. Um, but she, we, have, we have this window where we will talk about things and she can manage by herself. But I will say, you know, if her usage goes up past three, four, five hours a day, then that is, that's like crisis area for me. Mm-hmm. I think yesterday it was five hours and that's why today there's just no, no phone. It's not being seen. I mean, they have been playing. I mean, it's raining outside. So we watched the movie and they've been playing on the computer. So they have technology time, um, but all, but all within, all within boundaries, you know, that's amazing. So yeah. it sounds like you're, you're speaking to them on an even level to a degree. You're educating them, yeah. you're, you're creating yeah. awareness and then you're making a request. Like, you know, yeah. this is what's yeah. bad about what you're doing. And can you just yeah. do it two hours a day? And then you let them sort yeah. of, instead of... Yeah, I ask, I don't tell. So, That's what and I'm I saying. will always, yeah, yeah. I will always say, um, if I feel like I, I need to step in because the usage is getting obs- obsessive or too much, I will say that. I will say, I might say it a couple of days before. I'll say, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's getting a, a lot and I'm worrying about you and how much time you're spending on it. Um, then I will give her the opportunity to do something about it. And yeah. normally we will, we will work like that. And I'll, mm. I will say, if I'm honest, I will say honestly, if I think her usage is, is um, becoming harmful, more harmful than good. That's pretty cool. But um, I think in order for the parent to get to that place, they have to realize they're running programs that they need to get control of to stop the programs. Yeah, definitely. Because definitely. sometimes, I mean, I grew up in an Italian family and you know, the way you make yeah. your point is, who's ever screaming the loudest is gonna win, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, so you grow up like yeah. that. And, you know, that's, when you're a parent, you know, that's, could be possibly how yeah. you're gonna speak to your kid. Yeah. And well, exactly. For me, I didn't have a choice about anything growing up. I was yeah. never asked for my opinion. My, my dad would, but he left the family home when I was really young. And then he moved to Australia. And I, oh. I would spend six weeks of the year with him, which was mm. amazing. That was my, my dad, you know, he's the, he's the kind of man, he's talking to me. I, I can't speak for everybody else in his life, but when he's talking to me, it's direct eye contact. He hears every word I say. He feels every word I say. I have his undivided attention, love nurturing. We never watch telly together. I've never watched, actually, I've watched telly with my dad once in my life, and it was a black and white movie on Christmas Day. <laughs> and um, other than that, we, we used to dig ponds. We'd plant um, a fruit garden. We'd go fishing. We'd go hunting, camping. Uh, we were always hands in the earth together, doing some real stuff. So nice. it was the most nurturing experience of my whole life, and such rich memories. But, you know, and... No, no disrespect to my mum. My mum loves me and has tried her best. And she's done a phenomenal job in comparison to the childhood she received. Um, yeah. But with her, I felt so controlled and dominated. Um, so 
I was never, I was never asked my opinion about something. I was never given the freedom to express my own choices, you know? So then enter abusive relationships for, yeah. for the next Well, kid, you know, kids so, don't count yeah. when, you know, when you're in that parent-child yeah. relationship, it's like, what yeah. do you know? Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, I give, I give my child, um, what's the word? When we're, when we're having discussions sometimes and she has an opinion, um, if it's over her life, then she is the authority. She, she is the one they're making the decisions for her life. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I pushed her into, and that is studying another language. So, awesome. <laughs> which we still, we still have a, a debate about, yeah. but she's going to be bilingual, you know? And I, I just break it in half, break it in half and share it. Well, then help her find these. Um, so, yeah, amazing, I, I try to let her make the own, her own decisions, but I've definitely... I had to bargain with her. I think I might have paid a bit of money to get that one, <laughs> get Spanish in there. It cost me, it cost me a pretty penny, but pretty I'm hoping cool. she'll be thankful. All that's right, guys. pretty amazing. Can you guys well, do this in the living room? It's Go amazing for it. Go for it. to, I mean, to see, we don't know each other that long, but you're what you've accomplished yeah. and you're, to me, you're a real inspiration. Um, Thank you, Steve. Like there's just something very grounding in, you and um uh your story is pretty amazing and the, what you're doing sounds absolutely incredible so we've been on an hour i guess you know why don't you tell everyone we'll do this again and we'll we'll figure out maybe yeah. we can pinpoint something with the parenting stuff and the kids but yeah um, that'd be amazing. where where yeah. your courses uh you've you've designed it and you're maybe it's three modules and where can you get it and yeah, so six modules. Um, so my my website my website is actually um, let me see if I can, it's um, I'm still having troubles passing over my domain. Okay. So I'm at Squarespace. I mean, if you if you check out why the Wilding Kids Mentor, the Wilding um, Kids Facebook Mentor, or Instagram, yes, the Wilding Kids Mentor, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you'll find you'll find me. Um, so I believe the web the website is the Wilding Kids Mentor at um, Squarespace, but I'm not I'm not definite. So okay. social media. Um, well, Amy Brown with an E at, on Facebook, yes. the Wilding Junior, Kids Mentor. Can you shut the door for me, please? And shut um, the door for me, please. And um, yeah, so it's a six module course that I'm running at the moment. The sixth module course that I'm running at the moment. Um, the first module has been completed by some of the distance. It's a really busy week being the first week of the summer holidays over here. So many people are, many um, participants are going to be playing catch up, I'd say. Um, but I've had three phone calls already with um, tearful um, participants in the course because the revelations that they've they've discovered, the self awareness they've gained. Um, so so awesome. really, I I couldn't be happier with that how it's so going amazing. Already. Because yeah. these yeah. things are not. I mean, they're simple distinctions, and as soon as someone has it, they're like, "Oh my God, it's yeah. right there!" But I couldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, and I think the biggest thing that what the first module is all about is discovering the kind of parent you have decided to become. And then um, sort of um, dissecting that and figuring out what kind of parent your child actually needed you to be all along. And with, with the self-awareness, it's finding out um, if you said your child needed A, B and C needs, they were actually the needs you wish your parent um, provided for you. Wow. Um, so your unmet needs, your, your um, dream parent that you never had. One second, Junior. So they're based on your wishes, your unmet needs and your wishes. 
and the modules. I'll, I'll sort her out in a minute. Like the modules will probably force. You I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute. Give me one more minute. You know, the modules will force a little bit of coming clean and and Absolutely. And, yeah. and and stopping for the first time to say, I know this has been in the back of my mind about how my mother treated me and wh how I'm treating my kid yeah. and I need to think about this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of self-discovery okay. and self-awareness. And that working with the ego, healing your own inner child, gaining awareness that you have an inner child that is crying out for certain needs that were never met. And you can meet them now. You can reparent, you can meet your inner child's needs. Um, you can satisfy that yearning inside of you because we're all yearning for a parent that we never had. There's, there's, with every one of us, we can go to at least one need that wasn't met in our childhood that we're still yearning for. And oh, when we fulfill wow. ourselves, we can then cater to our children to what they actually need in this present moment and be present with them instead of everything reflecting back to our childhood, our, our unmet needs, you know. So the self-awareness is amazing. That's incredible. I mean, if my mother did this course yeah. and she really, like, was honest, she, she would probably fall to pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I heard a quote just today, me and the kids, I, I, I tortured them. I made them watch the never-ending never story. I don't know if you've, you've seen the movie. I don't know. Um, but it, I think it's, it might be from the 80s, maybe even 70s. Um, so the graphics, like the kids were like, what is this? Um, like... But one specific quote really caught me. And um, one of the, the wild creatures in it said, um, oh, I think I wrote it down actually. It has to hurt before it can heal. And I just sat there repeating that to myself. And I thought that was just so beautiful. Um, it has to hurt before it can heal. And That's it's so true. But amazing. how much does it have to hurt is different for all of us. That's how many times does the same wound have to get cut open is different for all of us. But, you know, we, we can't have that healing until we get to the, the base of that hurt. That's like shadow work. You can't heal until you face yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. I want to. I know we're ready to go, but I have to know this. Like, where do you stand on Disney movies and that kind oh. of stuff? <laughs> okay, we don't do Disney. <laughs> okay, good, good. We do not do Disney. <laughs> yeah. Bump, two I thumbs mean, up. I don't like the narrative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, two thumbs down. Oh, wait, yeah. Um, the yeah, narratives. I'm, yeah. I'm not big on the narratives. Yeah. But also, I mean, if you research. Um, well, we know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay. So, okay, mm -hmm. that's good to know. All right, I had Keep such a great time. <laughs> I had such a great time. You're such an amazing woman. Yeah. And uh, Thank you, the Wilding Kids Mentor Kids. Program, Amy Brown yeah. with an E on Facebook. Yeah. And yeah, we'll talk again. Me, guys. We'll awesome. talk again. Thank you so much, Steve. You're a wonderful man. Thank you. See you Thank soon. You, Steve. Okay. Take care. I'm going to end it, okay? Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.